Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen, sheep, and pigeons, and the money changers at their business. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all with the sheep and the oxen out of the temple. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who were sold the pigeons, Take these things away. You shall not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for thy house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign have you to show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he spoke of the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead... His disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. The gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for uh, changing course midstream there, Walter. Um, I want to uh, commend to you. if you were not here this morning, uh, Dean Limehouse's sermon on that passage uh, from 1 Corinthians. It was uh, excellent on uh, the Jews and the Gentiles. But I want uh, for us to spend some time with Jesus in our uh, gospel passage uh, this morning, or this evening. Have you ever known a bully? Um, you know, someone who would use their power to... Uh, to get what they want at the expense of, of someone who's weaker. Uh, uh, bullying generally, uh, we, we may know of a cor- sort of a corporate bully. We normally think of bullying as, as uh, in, on the playground in, in schools recently. You may have seen there's some commercials on, um, on television to try to stop bullying. My, uh, my son recently saw one of those commercials and, and told my wife that uh, it was important to let a bully know that God still loved them, um, which I thought was, he must be listening. Um, usually the bullying uh, just uh, sort of sparks outrage over the, over the injustice uh, of it all. I don't know if you've been following uh, Sports Center lately or Sports Talk Radio. If you have, you've certainly heard of uh, this. Uh, recently the New Orleans Saints uh, were accused of, uh, or it came, came to light that they had a bounty program where players uh, got paid for um, for hitting particularly hard hits or have, taking a quarterback out of the game, uh, you know you get ten thousand dollars for taking him out of the game, twenty thousand if they get off on a stretcher, uh, which uh, which has just as you might imagine sparked a lot of controversy and, and outrage uh, that someone would take advantage of uh, what is already a, a very violent uh, game. I I, uh, I got bullied some in school and and I am. Um, I should probably mention there that I did my share of bullying as well um, when I had the opportunities. The, um, the worst kind, the worst kind of bully is the bully who 
uh, appears to be nice at first, sort of butters you up before they then beat you up, right? The one that sort of gets you on their side, they, uh, they butter you up and then they take advantage of you. Uh, it, it could be uh, physical bullying, it could be sort of psychological, social uh, bullying, but they, are, they get, pull you in close and then they beat you up. And I just bring all this stuff about bullying up because Jesus, uh, in our passage at best, sort of looks like an animal rights activist, uh, letting the, uh, the, all, the sheep and the oxen and the, and the pigeons and everything go. Uh, but, you know, really he just sort of looks like a bully because there are uh, there are honest, relatively honest business people um, making a living. Uh, it's the Passover. People have come from all over uh, the place, some making long pil- pilgrimages. They're not going to bring their oxen with them. They need to buy oxen uh, or sh- pigeons or whatever to make their uh, sacrifice. And here these folks are selling. Uh, the, the temple would only take a particular type of coin, and so the money changers needed to be there for people coming from different countries needed to be able to exchange uh, their money. Some of the other uh, the stories of Jesus driving out in, in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they talk about um, uh, Jesus uh, being outraged at sort of the, uh, the injustice of the tra- business transactions. But, but John doesn't focus on that at all. Uh, John doesn't say anything about them charging exorbitant interest rates or anything like that. Um, so the thing is that, that Jesus uh, pushes these people out uh, from their livelihood. And, and he seems to sort of be the worst kind of bully because in the passage right before this, uh, he's just turned water into wine. Like he's a big party guy, right? He's, everybody's, he's Mr. Popular because he's, he's uh, helped out this, this great family um, uh, who you know, probably was very, a socially important family. He's, he's turned water into wine, but now he's, now he's made a whip of cords and he's, he's driving out these folks. The truth is, we've got to deal with this Jesus just as much as we have to deal uh, with the Jesus who calmed the storm or the Jesus who welcomed the children or the Jesus who died for our sins on the cross we, it, because it's all the same Jesus. And we don't get to pick and choose. We, uh, we need the whole picture. And so, so what's going on here? This, this sort of angry Jesus with a whip uh, in his hand. It's important, I think, that Jesus is uh, in Jerusalem at the Passover. John, John mentions that he is uh, here at the Passover. If you remember, uh, the Passover was uh, the, the, feast, the feast of the Passover was the remembering of the time where God uh, led the people, uh, with, by Moses, led the people out of Egypt. And if you remember the story of the Passover uh, found in Exodus, the Passover, it was the last judgment of the ten plagues. And Moses had been telling Pharaoh, let my people go, let my people go. And, and Pharaoh kept saying no, or he would say he would, and then he would change his mind. And, and all the plagues were, uh, were against the people of Egypt, the first nine. They were all against the people of Egypt. But the tenth plague... Uh, was different in character. And God said he was, going to, uh, he was going to send judgment and He was going to take the life of every firstborn, human and livestock even. The interesting thing about this one, it, this tenth plague, is that, that the Jews weren't exempt. Because this time, uh, uh, this is a, sort of a picture of judgment day. And the firstborn had always uh, been, it, would, it, was, it was really not um, terribly 
offensive. It's offensive to us, but it's not, it wasn't terribly offensive because the firstborn had really always been the Lord's as an atonement for sin, not, not in terms of human sacrifice necessarily, uh, but, uh, but it was sort of understood that the firstborn was given uh, to the Lord or else payment was made. And generally there was a tax or something like that and they took care of it. Uh, but in the, in the Passover, what happened, Jesus says, I'm going to come and I'm going to take the life of every firstborn unless you take a lamb. It has to be a perfect lamb, an unblemished lamb, and you need to kill that lamb. You need to take the blood of the lamb and you need to put that lamb, uh, the blood of that lamb over the doorpost of your house. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And then... Uh, and so the Egyptians, of course, they didn't get that message, and so they didn't have the blood of the Lamb over their doorposts, and God took the firstborn uh, sons as a judgment against the sin. And for the Jews, uh, he saw the, the blood of the lambs. And the sons, uh, the firstborn sons of the Jews, would look at the Lamb and they would say, it was either the Lamb or it was, it was going to be me. He took my place. It was sort of a substitutionary atonement. And... Um, and so then, then after that, Pharaoh said, you know, get out, and they, and they sent the people out. It was the Lord's Passover, and it was a solemn, it was a serious time. And people came, like I said, from miles around in Jesus' day, to sort of a pilgrimage, uh, because it was, it was an, a high holy day, uh, the Passover. And Jesus um, was in the temple, and that also, as we understand this passage with Jesus, uh, with the whip in his hand, uh, that's also significant. Uh, we don't think of uh, temples much. Uh, we, think of, we think of churches or synagogues or places uh, of worship. But it wasn't exactly like the way you and I think of, of the refectory or the nave or something, just your normal uh, church on the corner. Because it, it wasn't, uh, that was sort of more like a synagogue where people would go for, for learning. But the temple was the dwelling place of God. And it wasn't that wasn't unique in um, in the the Jewish religion. That if you think about the temples all, all through uh, throughout in um, in the Greco-Roman sort of ancient Near Eastern uh, land, whatever the deity was, that is, the temple was where humanity went in order to meet God. The temple was the place where God and man uh, could intersect. That was the where God the God. In this case, the one true God was sort of manifest. That was his dwelling place. And that is important. Um, Jesus was there. And so he comes in and people are preparing uh, for worship. And these these merchants would have been in in what is called the court of the Gentiles. Any Gentile who wanted uh, to come and worship, they they could do that. But they couldn't go into the inner courts. But that was their place of worship. And so... Uh, most scholars are, think that Jesus, what, what Jesus was doing is he was, um, he was angry that these folks were interrupting uh, worship. It would, it would be as if there was sort of a court, uh, you know, a, a market going on in the back of the, the refectory here while we were having service. It would be very hard to concentrate, and he's kicking these uh, folks out. But we, the Jesus we see in the rest of the, of the gospel, he's, he's gentle, but he's gentle with sinful people. And so what, uh, and, he, and these don't necessarily, they're certainly given the approval of the Jewish uh, establishment, but they're not members of the Jewish establishment. They're probably paying some sort of um, uh, 
tax or something like that to be there, a fee to be there. Uh, but is this out of character for Jesus? Three things. First, uh, this is primarily about uh, the relationship between Jesus and um, the Father. Remember, in, uh, and we see that all throughout John. He, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Jesus says, I can do nothing uh, apart from my Father. And so he is uh, cleansing the temple of uh, distractions, from distractions from worship. He's demonstrating uh, the wrath of God against sin. The wrath of God against things that would take away from our ability to worship. And you think about things in your own life that they come in as distractions. Uh, the divided heart. We want to worship God and yet there's this burden on our life that we can't give to God. Uh, because of, of our own uh, sinful nature, because of our own uh, humanness, our fallenness, uh, we find it very difficult to give this aspect over to God. And Jesus is pointing to uh, a pure worship, uh, a pure uh, focus on God. And that is the Father's will. He says, I and the Father are one. So this is primarily about the relationship between Jesus and God the Father. Second, this anticipates what Jesus says. He himself is the true temple. He is the true, uh, the clean, the pure meeting place between God and humanity. Jesus says uh, that that uh, tear down this temple, and in three days I will, I will raise it up, but the temple that he was speaking of was his body. Which doesn't mean that the, the, we think of you know, sort of popular and secular things I've heard on commercials. It's like a yogurt commercial. Somebody was saying, my, you know, my body is a temple, so I'm really you know, feeding it. What they meant is that she's trying to get buff. And that's not what Jesus is talking about. Uh, Jesus is saying that he, he's pointing to the fact that he is the true intersection between God and man, both in his nature as fully God and fully man, and also the place where we come to gain access to God. The dwelling place of God is now manifest in His Son. And in fact, this comes at the time where the Jews were remembering deliverance from their bondage. And no longer is Jesus, uh, it, no longer is it a bondage from, from actual slavery but from the bondage of our sin. So He is the dwelling place, and yet He's a dwelling place here significantly at the time where uh, the Jews are remembering that they were once slaves and now are free. And third, uh, after the resurrection, the disciples believed. It was after the resurrection. They didn't get it right then, but after the resurrection, the disciples believed. And faith in Jesus Christ is the point. And its faith in Jesus Christ is dependent upon the historical reality of the bodily resurrection of Jesus. St. Paul says in, in, uh, elsewhere in Corinthians, he says, if, if there is no resurrection from the dead, then we of all men are most to be pitied. The whole crux of Christianity depends on, it rises and falls on whether or not Jesus stepped out of the tomb. And after the resurrection, the disciples were able to look at this event and they were able to, to believe. In three days, the temple, the meeting place of God, was uh, resurrected. 
So what's the point for us? We've said that this is primarily about the relationship of Jesus and the Father, that it anticipates Jesus as the true temple, and that uh, after the resurrection, the disciples believe. But what about for you and me? Jesus came to proclaim God's uh, rightful wrath against human sin. And He also then came to take that wrath upon Himself. So what we see in here is is actually a picture of and an anticipation of uh, the Gospel. That Jesus came and He demonstrated the Father as a sort of a picture, an illustration of the Father's wrath against human sin. God is a holy God and He cannot stand uh, sin. He he cannot abide by it. He cannot come into contact with it else He would be um, defiled Himself. He is a pure and He is a holy God. And His reaction to sin and to sinners is um, to uh, driving out. And yet, the path because this is the Passover, not only is Jesus the true temple, but He is also the true Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And God is still looking for the blood over the doorpost of our heart. And when He sees the blood of the true Lamb, the Lamb of God who is without spot or blemish, Jesus Christ hanging on the cross, when He sees that blood over our lives, taken and procured by faith, then the wrath of God passes over us. And we are free. In the way that is almost in the same way, but in so much better way than the Israelites were free from slavery uh, to the Egyptians, they were we are free from the slavery of ourselves, our own sin. The temple is Jesus Christ, and the Lamb is Jesus Christ. He has come to take away and to demonstrate God's wrath against sin, but also then to take it upon Himself. So the question for us is, will we respond to this grace that God has taken away our sin in the person of Jesus Christ? Will we respond as the disciples did? Will we believe? Will we believe? Not to jump too quickly to Easter, but it all depends on the resurrection. He stepped out of the grave or he didn't. Will we believe? Amen.